With birthdays comes gifts usually, right? So how many people in here are gift people? You like to get a present. You like to get a box wrapped up with a bow on top of it, tear it open and see what's inside. How many of you are money people? You'd rather get an envelope with some fat cash in there. I fall in the fat cash stack as well. Um, for me, birthdays typically for, for many, many years was always time for me to get some new tennis shoes. My shoes would always wear out and about birthday time, I'd start seeing money come in and so I'd go get some new tennis shoes. So um, typically with any time I get gifts, I always wanna call and tell the benefactor of that gift what it is I'm using that money for. So, but one particular year, I had just gotten some new shoes. I got older, my feet don't hold up as well as they used to, so my tennis shoes from the previous year didn't quite make it the full 12 months I wanted it to. So I had some new shoes. I was pretty happy with that. I hadn't been looking or thinking about anything else I wanted, so I thought, hmm, what am I gonna do with this birthday money? So I decided that I wanted to take each one of my kids out individually and just have a meal with them, just hang out just create some memories in there. I learned some stuff through there. One thing I learned is that my sons, they don't care anything about going and sitting down and just hanging out and having a meal. Those guys, they'd rather go by and grab something from Whataburger and then go out and hit a bike trail somewhere. My daughters, they're different. Sydney specifically was like, I wanna go get a burger with you, Dad. And to this day, she still talks about the cheeseburger and how amazing that cheeseburger was. So um, those times of just getting out, and because I was content with myself, I got to go out and just spend time with my kids and make some memories in there. So tonight, we are going to wrap up our series on the satisfied soul. Week one, if y'all will remember, was brought to us by Danny. And Danny taught us the truth of joy in the Lord brings contentment in this life. And one of the things that he talked about was he shared a quote from C.S. Lewis for all of us. That quote, after Lewis had found joy in God, said this, real joy, and y'all remember, y'all want y'all to imagine this, as I'm saying those words, imagine this feeling jumping up inside of you and welling up for this thing, okay? Real joy jumps under one's ribs and tickles down one's back. It makes one forget meals and keeps one delightedly sleepless over the night. That's pretty good, right? Everybody feel that all over their body, right? Everybody got that real joy going on? So last week, Darren came in, and he led us as we learned about God. Um, yeah, God. But God provides us with all we need. He shared with us through an illustration uh, a couple pictures you popped up on the screen. He showed us a picture of some of us said it was a rabbit, some of us said it was a duck. And he had another picture, and I think everybody in here said it looks like a young lady. But Darren pointed out to us that if you shift your focus a little bit, you can see that there is also an old lady in the focus, I mean, in that picture as well. The thing that he brought up out of those two illustrations right there is that after we have had our eyes open to seeing both, we can no longer just see one. So in tonight, we wrap up our series, and we are going to talk about how contentment leads to an outward focus. Our scripture tonight, we're gonna to wrap up Philippians 4, and we'll be bookending Philippians 4. We're gonna have the first three verses, verses one through three, and we're gonna have the last section of verses in there. But before we jump into that scripture, I want to remind everyone and paint a picture about what is going on when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians. First and foremost, 
Paul was in prison whenever he wrote this letter, okay? So he's in prison, but Paul's contentment was such that the book of Philippians is known as the New Testament book of joy. The Philippian church also was founded by Paul. If we go back to Acts 16, we read about Paul wandering around and just witnessing and testifying about the life change that had happened in him. And wherever he wanted to go, if it was just his desire to go there, the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh, you're not going here. The Holy Spirit led him, and he ultimately ended up in Macedonia and finally at the church of Phil or at Philippi, where he founded the Philippian church. Now, here's something for you to know, just a little tidbit. In Philippi was the first place that we know of Paul being imprisoned. So y'all remember what happened to Paul while he was in prison there? He wasn't woe is me. He wasn't sad. No, he got in there and he prayed to God. He sang hymns. And his faithfulness, his contentment ended up leading to the angels causing an earthquake and the building shook, and the jail was broke open, and the shackles broke loose from all the prisoners in there. But did Paul jump up and run out and leave? No, he didn't. He recognized that there was a jailer in that place that was responsible for each and every one of those people. And he stopped that jailer just before he impaled himself on his sword. And he witnessed to him, and he converted him to be a believer in Christ Jesus. And not only did he convert that jailer, but he went back to his house and he converted his whole family as well. So there we go. There's what's going on in Philippians. So now let's jump in here and we're gonna to go to Philippians 1. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So this verse starts off with the word therefore. Therefore is kind of a connecting word. You need to know what is the therefore. We also see a little bit further down, it says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Well, what way? So in order to understand the therefore and understand what way it is that Paul is encouraging people to, we gotta back it up and go into Philippians 3. So in Philippians 3, verse 17, Paul says, follow my example. He continues on in verses 18 and 19. He warns against the enemies of the cross and those whose destiny is destruction, whose minds are ultimately on earthly things. As we talk about contentment tonight, having our minds on earthly things sounds like the complete opposite of that. So verses 20 and 21, he says, he reminds them that their citizenship is in heaven and that we should eagerly await our Savior and to be restored to Jesus after he brings everything under his control. So now that we know the background, now let's jump back over to that Philippians 1 and we'll go down through verses three now. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Euodia, and I plead with you, Sintichi, to be of the same mind of the Lord. You, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So we start this thing off, and Paul is calling out two specific people in the church. Now, in a lot of letters throughout the New Testament that have become books, 
people get called out quite often. Typically, they're calling people to attention of negative things or things that are not along with the way, but they don't always call out specific names. In this case, he calls out specifically Euodia and Sintichi. So he points out a disruption amongst these ladies. So apparently, they've got some pretty big credibility. They got a little history with the church. He says, who wants, he goes through and he kind of talks about it. So if you think about this and you think about your life, those organizations that you see disruption in, that you see arguments, that you see fights in, who wants to be a part of that? One person? No, nobody wants to be a part of that. I'll tell you a little bit about my wife. Sarah grew up in East Texas. And typically East Texas folks are Dallas Cowboys fans, but not Sarah. Sarah's not a Dallas Cowboys fan. She grew up seeing people fight about how great the Cowboys were or how terrible the Cowboys were. Whenever something went wrong, there was fighting, there was arguing, there were what we call fair weather fans. No, she didn't want anything to do with being a Cowboys fan. So instead, for the last 20 years, she cheers for the team that right now has the worst record in the National Football League, Houston Texans, 20 years strong, good job. <laughs> She'd rather root for losers than she would folks that are fighting, so good job standing to your morals there. So Paul calls these folks to reconciliation. He reminds them that they have the same mind. He doesn't take sides, and then he asks them to, choose, to close this, he asks those close to the situation to help them resolve their conflict. Paul recognizes that a unified church is a content church and a church that is able to focus outward. So I'm gonna tell y'all a story about a church in California. It's the Manual Reformed Church in Paramount, California. It's a big church now. It started in the 1950s. And in the 1950s, they had a specific goal. They wanted to minister to dairy farmers in the area who happened to just be Dutch. So over time, the surrounding neighborhoods' demographics changed drastically, and suddenly, the church was isolated and alone with an aging population and a service in Dutch. So they decided they weren't gonna stand by. They weren't gonna just let this happen. They weren't just going to fade away and let their church die. No, they made a decision first to switch over to service in English because that's what the community needed around them. And then they chose to start serving their community by picking days when they would paint houses, clean up parks and neighborhoods, and serve in any way they could. Over time, the church grew and the city was transformed. Generosity is simply more than just giving money. It's also about using our time and talents. And contentment in Christ should lead to an outward focus, individually as well as us as a community. So legacy is no different. Y'all know we've got a mission here, right? What's our mission? There we're good. Y'all did great. Thank y'all. So our mission is exactly that. For it comes from Matthew 22. It says that Jesus instructs us to love the Lord with all our heart, with our soul, with our mind and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Y'all did awesome with that. Love God, love people. So we'll continue on, and we're going to jump down into uh, Philippians 19 now. And uh, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God for 
and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So I've got, uh, I've got Hudson needs to come up here right quick. So one of the things that uh, I get the opportunity to do right now is uh, I'm serving on Tuesday nights with uh, Legastu. Um, yeah. Good little plug there. I got, yeah. So um, one of the things that I've learned through Legastu is that illustrations are absolutely awesome for communicating a point. So Hudson's brought me a fishing rod here, and no, y'all don't have to be worried. I'm not going to be talking about being fishers of men here. Nope, instead, Hudson's going to help me out with a little something. So Hudson, well, let's see. There we go. I got it unhooked. So Hudson enjoys playing video games. Anybody else in here like to play video games? I should have heard a big roar from that back left corner back there. You guys paying attention? Y'all awake back there? Students, <laughs> no, Hudson likes to play video games, and I've had to shift a lot of my thought process around video games over time, because when I was growing up, you figured out where your friends were by where their bicycles were, and that's how you hung out and played with your friends, but now we live in a world that doesn't always allow that, and we've got space between a lot of our friends, so a lot of times the video game world is where we end up having to meet our friends in there. So one of the things that, one of the games that Hudson loves is Roblox, Right? And one of the things that goes along with Roblox is Robux. Yeah, baby! Yeah, so, but here's the thing. Robux are not free. You have to buy them. And so whenever Hudson's got 5 or $10, his question to me is always, hey, Dad, can I buy some Robux? And what's my answer? Most likely no. Yep, most likely no. So we're going to play along here. I got this envelope here. Okay. Pull this out. Boom, I got 20 bucks. 20 bucks would buy some pretty good Robux, wouldn't it? Yeah? yeah? <laughs> Dang. Hudson likes math a little bit too. All right, so we're going to get this thing. Y'all seen this in a commercial, I think, before, right? Geico commercial? All right, so here we go. So one of the things you got to be careful of here, Hudson, is this is a treble hook, Okay. That's an actual fishing hook on there, okay? Yeah. So if you grab this thing in the wrong place, you're going to get stuck and you're not going to be happy, okay? But I'm going to hold this, this 20 bucks up here. How high can you reach? Right there. How high can you jump? Can you get it? Whoop, try and get it. Here it is again. Here it is again. Woo! One more time. Nope, you can't get it. Nope, you can't get it. So... Hudson's sitting over here, and all he can think about right now is this 20 bucks, so he can go buy some Robux. All right. But Hudson, I want you to do something for me. Grab that envelope right there. Open that envelope up. What's in there? What, what does that note say? And share with okay, and what's in there? A 20. A 20. Is there anything else in there? So 120 bucks. So you're not really getting that for Robux. Dreaming. <laughs> Here you go, buddy. Take this back over there. Thank you. Hey, y'all give Hudson a round of applause. He did great.
So I did that because y'all saw that his vision was focused solely on that $20. All he could think about was getting that 20 bucks. At verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Y'all remember that God wants to give us good gifts. And those good gifts, a lot of times, are beyond what we can understand. So from that verse and that illustration there, one thing I want you to remember is if God's got my back and he is meeting all of my needs, I know that I lack nothing. And I don't have to focus all my attention on trying to fill my own personal desires. Because when I do, I miss out on what he has for me to share with others. So we asked about vision or mission earlier. What is our vision at Legacy? That's right. We seek to be a worshiping church that makes Christ known to the world. So let's imagine this. So imagine if my vision at Legacy Church was for me to have the best-looking beard here. And I thought about that all the time. i got to think about some really important things. i got to make sure that I've got the right mix of gray with not gray, because a little gray says that I'm pretty wise and I know what's going on. I've got some experience, but too much gray says I'm old and I'm irrelevant. <laughs> but then I start thinking about, wait a second, man, Darren, Darren's got a pretty sweet looking beard. He's bringing some beard game to me. And then I started thinking about, shoot, Danny's been gone for two weeks. And Danny grows a pretty sweet beard. Imagine if he grew a beard while I was gone. No, I wouldn't have the best beard anymore. Think about, keep your vision on what the Lord has for you and what his goals are for your life. All right, we're going to jump down. We're going to get down into Philippians 21 now. It says, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters. <laughs> The brothers and sisters are, who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. So you've been sitting here thinking, and as we've been going through this evening, I hope you've been trying to figure out how do I get content, how do I find joy, and then once I've got that contentment, how do I start sharing that with others? But no matter how hard you think about it, you always end up back at this point of discontent. You always end up back where I need more. I want more. That person's got something better than me, and I want to have it too. So your eyes are not where they need to be. So, but what if I told you that generosity can lead to contentment? What if I said you start being generous now, and you're going to find that rest that you've been searching for within you? God's going to provide that. So there's a, a, uh, an article written in the science, on the science of generosity, written by Christian Smith, and he makes a couple of claims around the benefits of generosity. The first thing he says is that as a result of generosity, that it rejects certain vices, and it lists specifically selfishness and greed. Selfishness and greed. I'll tell you what, that is at the heart of discontentment in life. But then he continues on. He says, practicing generosity casually, not all the time, just even casually, promotes greater happiness, health, emotional well-being, and sense of purpose in life. And that sounds like a great definition of contentment to me. The only thing missing 
is a word joy. But that's all right. So perhaps rather than waiting until you feel generous, you should start practicing generosity and see what effect that has on your general well-being and sense of purpose. So I got another one of those questions out there for everybody. How many folks in the room we got are version users? It's a pretty good chunk of hands. I don't think it represents how many people. I hadn't seen a lot of paper Bibles in here, so I would expect it to see more hands in there. But anyway, version does this great thing. They bring up a verse of the day. And with that verse, they pop a devotional out there. Well, last Sunday, the verse that they shared with us was Hebrews 13, 16. It said, do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So it continued on, and in that devotional, they had a story in there about a young lady named Leah. And I felt compelled to share, y'all that, uh, that share with you that story about Leah tonight. See, Leah... Leah lives near Chitipa, Malawi. It's a really remote village, so remote that most organizations, when they go to Malawi, won't even make their way out there. Leah's got a friend at her church that had been inviting her to join a group that they have called Light. But Leah was extremely reluctant to join that group because joining that group meant that she had to contribute a little bit of money each week to a savings fund She couldn't afford at the time to repair her thatched roof, which leaked. She couldn't afford to send her kids to school. But with a lot of convincing, a lot of coercion, a lot of asking, Leah reluctantly decided to join. See, after the group savings accumulate for a few months, any group member can borrow money and use it to do something valuable and then pay it back. After a year, the savings are shared out equally to the entire group, and it starts all over again. So Leah goes out, and the first thing she tries to get this thing going is she goes out and she buys some sugar in bulk. And she takes that sugar and she separates it out, and she shares it and sells it back for for a profit. And then repaid the money. Sorry. So then she believed that she could do this. She felt like she was really capable of doing this, so she decided to take another step further. So she started dreaming again, and one thing that she always wanted to learn was how to make clothing. But paying for the training had always been impossible until she started being able to borrow money from the savings pool. So with that money, she was able to pay for training and buy a sewing machine. She grew confident again, And Leah again borrowed money from the group to buy cloth, which turned into clothing and a nice profit. With her profit, she purchased livestock for her family. She fixed that roof that was all boogered up. She bought a bicycle for her husband so he could start a taxi service. Not sure if you realize this, but how much of a fighter that Leah's got to be. She keeps throwing herself out there, trying a little bit more, and God always comes through. So Leah's feeling good. She's, she's got her roof good. She's got her husband working again. Her kids are getting in school, I'm sure. What else could she get for herself? Well, she realizes there's something bigger than just herself going on here. So the next thing she does is, is, is what's going to make her really stand out to you. So y'all know we move our feet every year for people that have to move their feet for water. Malawi and this village is no different. See, 
Her village is so far away from water that to go get water is a two-hour trek to carry it, go out, get the water, come back, all that good stuff there. So through her contentment and her outward focus, Leah took her hard-fought earnings and personally paid to have a well drilled in her own backyard so that more than 100 neighbors could have unlimited access to clean, life-giving water. It's pretty good, right? Yeah, Leah's pretty awesome right there. So we just get to see uh, through her, we just got to hear a story about how contentment plays out in today's world. Those same ideals that Paul shared in Philippians 4 are as relevant today as they were 2,000 years ago. And over these last three weeks, we've been led to a recipe for a satisfied soul. Being content with what one has and generous toward others can make someone stand out as different and creates opportunity to share with others where your contentment comes from. And it's what God has called us to as Christ followers. Generosity and contentment are interrelated in our pursuit of likeness. So I'm going to close out with reading through uh, a psalm, Psalm 112. Band's going to make their way up. We'll pray and then... um, We'll have some call to action after that. But uh, here's Psalm 112. It says, Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous compassionate and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They're confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. It will have influence and honor. And Lord, thank you so much, God, for your example and the story and the life of Paul. Lord, for his call to action to the church of Philippi, Lord, to, um, to not just keep what you, they, what you have provided them, Lord, but to share it with others. And God, you are good beyond any kind of imagining way we could ever have. Lord, you are a provider, both provider of things and needs and wants that we have, Lord, as well as a provider of joy. So, Father God, as we find joy and we find contentment in this life, Lord, I pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with our spirits. In your name, amen.